So um, we're going to begin with our review from um, chapter six and then tonight's new material is chapter seven. And there's some pieces that we'll do in the interim where we'll we'll reference and, sh uh, and give you a short review of um, some content that we talked about in volume one. All right. So eight keys, eight keys from Revelation chapter six. This is just a review of the things that we went through um, last week. Number one, we said that Jesus, we see Jesus the Lamb opening, opening seals marks the beginning of a new dispensation called the tribulation period. And we reminded you that in chapters four and five, that the church has already been caught away. So this is this is stuff that we see, we watch from the good seats. I'm just saying, if you, if, if you were one of the wise virgins and kept your lamps trimmed and burning as we used to sing when I was a young person. Number two, uh, Jesus opens the first seal. The rider of the uh, white horse is not Christ, but the Antichrist. And so we made certain observations about number two. We said that he looks... He looks similar to Christ because Satan has always wanted to replace Christ. He has to be given a, cry, a crown. Jesus is already crowned. Further, there is some deception in his level of ability. He has a bow, but no arrows because Satan always threatens, but he still requires your compliance to fulfill it. Right. He, he goes about looking for whom he may kill, still and destroy. So I just tell him when you come to the Johnson household, no, you may not. <laughs> um. Further, he goes forth to conquer when Jesus has already conquered. So this is not Jesus. All right. Number three, we said Jesus opens the second seal. The rider of the red horse represents the unleashing of war on the earth. While it is world war, it does not affect the whole world. It says he takes peace from the earth, given a great sword. The Antichrist wants to affect the whole world, but only one man has ever had authority over the whole world. His name was Adam, the only other man who will ever have whole world authority is the last Adam, who is Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Number four, we said Jesus opens the third seal. The rider of the black horse represents famine that affects some portion of the earth. Again, we see some commodities affected by scarcity and others that are left alone. He said, do not touch the wine or the oil. So we know it's not a complete worldwide famine. But you know how commodities are, man. You hit one and then there's a run on that one. It can affect the whole economy. You don't have to hit everything for everything to get affected. Right. That's just the nature of a global economy. Um, number five, Jesus opens the fourth seal. The rider on the pale horse's death followed by hell. Note that he is only given power over a fourth of the earth. So there are you know, movies and stuff. And they did a series called Left Behind. And, you know, sometimes the media and, and Christian entertainment. And listen, I love good Christian entertainment, but I don't want to base my Bible. I don't want to base my belief system on something that comes from Hollywood, even if it's the Christian part. Like if your if your study of uh, the Exodus came out of, you know, Charlton Heston and Cecil B. DeMille and the Ten Commandments, then there's probably some pieces of your doctrine that's off. All right. So in a similar way, 
just like we could look back at those things and say, well, you know, television did a depiction. We could also look forward to the things that are coming and say they tried to they tried to take, you know, do some things. But often, just as we do with movies, we take prophetic or, or in artistic license. When you can't take license with the word of God, because we're going to get to the end of this book. And it says if you change one word, your name can be pulled off out of the book of life. So I'm not up here trying to change some words and give my own license that that won't work good for me and it won't work good for you. Now, I, I put in parentheses for number five that these four writers are often called, if you ever hear the term, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, just so that we understand what that means. All right. Number six, we talked about the fact that Jesus opens the fifth seal and a group of martyrs during the tribulation period cry out for vengeance against those who took their lives on the earth. Heaven's response indicates more martyrdom is to come before vengeance is given or served. Right. Sometimes, uh, People do stuff and we think we got the time clock on when vengeance should be given. Lord, get them and get them right now. And uh, his clock is just not like yours. Now, he take care of everything. Nothing misses. He takes care of everything. But his clock may not just be like yours. And you're going to have to be OK with it. Or you're going to get on the wrong side of his time clock. Number seven, um, Jesus opens the sixth seal and then nature experiences upheavals, the likes of which have never occurred before. And then fi uh, finally, number eight, during this time, God will open heaven and allow humanity to see the source of tribulation and they will seek to hide from it. Okay, so that's just us reviewing what we talked about last week. You don't have all of that. Praise God. That's why we got podcasts and you're going to get your smartphone all plugged in and you can go back and get caught up. And when you absent because pastor's moving fast on this one and if you miss a week, you're going to feel like there's some holes and I'm going to make you go find and do your own homework just like you was in school in Jesus name. Yeah, all right. All right. I didn't give me any amens in the room, but that's all right. I'm still. I'm still teaching really good here. All right. So um, I got some pieces that I want to share with you before before we go into um, chapter seven. One of the main reasons, one of the main differences in my approach on end times events is, number one, the belief in both the spirit and person of Antichrist. Because people either believe that there's going to be a person of Antichrist or there's going to be a spirit of Antichrist, but not both. So I say the spirit of Antichrist has been in the, in the world since the serpent tried to get Eve to eat from the fruit that God told her not to do. That was Antichrist by definition. So the spirit of Antichrist has been on the planet a long time. But hold it. We read in um, in first Peter that the spirit of Christ came into the earth before Jesus Christ came into the earth. It was the spirit of Christ 
that that informed Isaiah. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him and by his stripes we're healed. The spirit of Christ showed Isaiah what Christ would suffer and then the glory that would follow. That's what it, that's the way Peter wrote it. All right. So just because just because the spirit of Christ came didn't mean Jesus Christ wasn't coming. So just because the spirit of Antichrist has come and is in the earth, there's no question when you look at all of the things that's happening in, in our politics, um, in our social mores, in um, our alternative lifestyles, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world. But just because the spirit of Antichrist is in the world doesn't mean the Antichrist the man of sin that the apostle Paul prophesied is not coming. So that's one of the things that drives how I see things different than a lot of people, because a lot of people say none of that's going to happen. It's just Jesus is going to come, but they never do. And then I, I just ask them, okay, if you believe that way, here's scripture. I didn't take it out of context. Walk me through that in your belief system. But up, but up, but up, but up, but up. But dub, but dub, and then they gonna give me no answer. Now I'm if I get an answer and it's better than what I see, I'm gonna come right back in here, look at that same camera, and say I'm changing. But until then, I the word says that I'm blessed if I read it, if I hear it, and if I keep it. So I'm gonna act on what I got until God gives me more light. Does that make sense? So that's one of the differences between the way I teach things and other people's belief system, why we differ. The second thing that marks how what I teach is different from other people is their treatment of the nation of Israel. Because some people will tell you that the church has replaced Israel. That the, the adopted family of, has replaced the natural kids. Now listen, I am all open for spiritual sons and daughters. Come one, come all. Okay, but none of my spiritual sons and daughters is going to replace the one that I birthed. Now, if my natural children become prodigals and go far outside of my will, then while they out there, I'm going to do what I'm going to tell you on Father's Day Part 2 message next week which is I'm going to lay down the law and leave the door open. I got certain rules for my house. I got certain ways we do things. This is how this rolls. But I'm going to leave the door open because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be standing there like the prodigal father waiting for Johnny to come home. And when Johnny come home, I'm going to give him my robe. I'm going to give him my ring. We're going to have a party because my son that was lost is found and it was dead and is now alive again. So what I'm telling you is 
that God did not replace his natural kids. He has a door open and he has already planned for them coming back home. And there are some things that will not happen on earth till his natural kids get home. And the apostle Paul said, man, I wish he said, I got to do my job for these Gentiles, but I feel for my homeboys. I feel for my peeps. I feel for my family. And he said, and I'm going to show you the scripture. He said, they're beloved because of their father's sake. God hadn't forgot his covenant with Abraham. He's going to deal with those people because they Abraham's kids. Now, you may not like that, but when you get to be God, I'll let you make the covenant how you want. I know this. I would I would hate for God to have me get everybody else's kids saved. And then have my own natural children going to hell. I'm, I, I ain't hurt. I ain't hating on nobody. I will do for everybody. But listen here. I'm not going to look after your kid and have mine going to hell in a handbasket. And I'm not doing everything possible to get it fixed. And if I started a ministry and my kids nutted up. And my spiritual children were running the ministry and, and, and I and I was on my deathbed and my children hadn't come back in. The last thing I would look my spiritual children in the eye is, and tell them is my last wish is when they get ready and they repent. I want you to have a plan to bring them back in and put them into the place that I died to give them. Does that make sense? All right. So. Because people don't think like that, they, that replacement theology is easy for them to believe. It's not easy for me to believe. Okay? So I don't buy it. All right? Now, if you deal with that, then you got to ask yourself, okay, I believe it's just the last day, but when is Jesus going to do the things that Paul prophesied he was going to do for Israel? And most of them don't even think of it's not even a question. And so what happens is they they skip <laughs> from Romans chapter eight to Romans chapter 10. And then they skip chapters nine and 11. And they'll say we got to be saved by Romans 10, nine and 10 and ignore Romans nine after nine and 11. And listen, I'm a math guy. It goes eight, nine, 10, 11. You don't even have to have a math degree to understand that. So how do you just how do you pull a text out of context and then not deal with everything that was around it? All right. So. If you disagree with me on those two points, you will come to different conclusions than what I came to. All right. So now some think national Israel and Hebrew who uh, Hebrew Jewish history. Is everything. So there's one extreme. Some say. All right. Jewish Hebrew everything. So they want to have the same yarmulke, which is the little skull cap that Jews wear and. They, you know, the prayer shawls, and I'm not against none of it. 
Okay. And they want to go to the, the, their Jewish Passover and spend all of their time learning that. And if they're not careful, they will violate what Paul said in Galatians. I, I, I met a woman because see, I went to a Jewish service here in the city to one of the synagogues and I met a Caucasian Christian lady who left Christianity and went to Judaism. I like honey, baby, honey, sweetheart. Okay. All right. You went from calculus back to first grade. And Paul said, don't do that. Okay. He was very clear in Galatians that you don't put yourself under the law. He said it was elementary school. It was the schoolmaster. And then you go into Christ. It's the shadow. But now that we got the son, I don't look at the shadow. Not for that. So some people say that the Jewish thing is everything. And then there's the other side that said it's nothing at all. It don't mean nothing no more. And both of those extremes are wrong. Got it? If I don't think it's anything, then I risk being dismissive to the plan of God and my possibility of partnering with him to bless the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if I partner with him for something Jesus won't, I get the benefit of that. That's why I know churches like uh, John Hagee's and Keith Butler's, they have nights to honor Israel. I may do that one day. I'm not against it. And I certainly support ministries that do it, whether I do one in here or not. I don't know that it's my calling, but at least I got a sense. (laughs) At least I'm smart enough to not be dumb and be working against what God wants to do with his natural children. Because he would take that personally, just like I would take you saying you love me and slapping my daughter. I'm, I'm going to want to put my hands on you suddenly. OK, I'm going to feel some kind of way. Now, the evangelical church began when a Catholic priest named Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to a church door to start a debate that ultimately became the Protestant Reformation. But much of Adolf Hitler's doctrinal basis for Nazi anti-Semitic genocide was Martin Luther's doctrine because the Lutheran church is a German church. Oh, yeah. Shots fired, baby. You, you, you can go back and find Good old Martin Luther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these Lutheran churches. But you go back to some of his words. And see, I feel Jesus felt some kind of way when he stepped from 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 that life to the final life. And I bet you Jesus was at the door saying, hold up, bro. We need to talk about this one now, whether he forgave him or not. That's not my I'm not I'm not the judge. Before your own Lord, you will stand to die. But I bet you when he stood before him, they had some conversations. I can take you can take that one to the bank. Okay. And so Jewish people know 
that there were Lutheran churches singing Silent Night in the cities around the concentration camps while their family members were being burned in ovens. These churches felt spiritually justified to do this because from a doctrinal perspective, their doctrine, God had replaced Israel with the church and no longer cared about them. And oh, by the way, they were the people that killed Christ. So when you try to witness to one of them, they say, hold up. Last time somebody tried that, I saw the inside of an oven. Thank you. No, thank you. Okay. So both scripture itself, historical confirmation and prophecy confirm that God still cares about and is coming to fix and coming to reconcile the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, now this is, this drives a lot of difference. Now, am I telling you, you got to go out and get a pressure? I didn't say that. I'm mad if you do, but if I keep my three-piece suit, don't be mad at me neither. Okay. I'm not I'm not telling you you have to take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Not mad if you do. But if I never get to Jerusalem, I'm born from the new Jerusalem that is above. I'm not telling you you got to get baptized in the Jordan. OK, soon as I get the leak fixed in the pool, this pool will be good enough. Not not mad if you do. See the balance? Pastor just wants you to be solid and found, foundationally sound. I don't want you spooky. Okay. So my statement is people that say it don't mean nothing is wrong. And people that say they mean everything is wrong. Somewhere in the middle is what God is dealing with. Okay. Now, on March 12th um, of this year, I ministered. In Back to the Future, Volume 1, Part 11. Back, Back to the Future, Volume 1, Part 11. On this piece about Israel in detail. So, if you want the full detail about what I just said, then go back to the podcast, to Volume 1, Part 11. Thank you. I'm trying to drive people. I'm trying to drive traffic back. All right? I preached on this at um i gave them what i call a revomercial at at gm bible study revomercial is like you know like an infomercial is information plus a commercial a revomercial is, re is revelation plus a commercial so i said here's i'm gonna tell you a little bit about this give you a sneak peek if you want the details then you need to subscribe to my podcast in jesus name hallelujah praise the lord all right but let's let's just hit a few of the scriptures, but I'm going to run fast because I've already taught this in detail from he from Romans chapter 11 verse. First, let's talk about five through seven, and then we'll skip down to 12 through 15 
and then we'll go to 25 through 29. All right. Romans 11. It says, even so, at this present time, there is a remnant, a remnant, a remnant, according to the election of grace. That means in the church age, there is some descendants of Abraham that has already come in in, in the church age. But they the relative size of that group versus the whole group is a remnant. Verse six, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. So it says, hey, they didn't keep the law of Moses. They're doing it by faith in Jesus Christ, just like we got. But if it is of works, then it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, a righteousness that comes based on works. But the elect, that remnant, have obtained it. The rest were blinded. J Jesus, um, here through the apostle Paul, tells us that only a small segment is even has the capacity to up to to be to receive this by faith in the period and the dispensation we live. The rest are blinded. OK, that remnant that believe um, in church circle is called Messianic Christians or Messianic Jews. If you ever hear the term, they are Jewish people that believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Messianic, just I just want you to I don't want you to do something stupid if you meet one. OK, so pastor wants you to know the protocol. OK. Why? Because you don't get brownie points from Jesus by offending the seed of Abraham. I just. OK, you're welcome. Now, let's um, skip down to verse 12 and we'll read verse 12 through 15. Says. Now, if their fall, the fall of that of national Israel on a large scale is riches for the world, because that's how we got saved. He came to his own and his own received him not. And then we got in to many as believed him to them. He gave the power to become the sons of God to as many as received him. Right. If their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Uh oh, God has reserved certain things in the plan and the move of God for when his children come in. There's a fullness that we're not going like, listen, I like driving my car, but I feel a little more comfortable when my gas is full. I feel like I can go further. I got more range when I'm on full than versus than when I'm on E. He says that there is a fullness that's going to come in when he come back and get his family. All right. Look at verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles, Christians that have come um, from from heritage outside of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He said, I speak to you Gentiles in as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. He said, listen, I got to do the job God gave me now. But look at verse 14, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my who are my flesh and save some of them. He said, Paul said, my hope is 
that they will see God moving with y'all and say, man, he's our God. We had him first. Ever had somebody, somebody say, this is my God daddy. Well, he was my daddy first. <laughs> Ever, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because see, like God, God child is getting all of the privileges. And even though the natural children was didn't, did sitting there, didn't want them. And he says, I'm hoping that they see God working with you. And then make him jealous and say, well, he was our God first. And then some of them get saved. All right. Now look at verse 15. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Paul here states that if the Israeli fall from grace through blind unbelief caused us to be saved and reconciled, then their reconciliation will birth, will, will bring into the planet resurrection power at a full strength never seen before. Now, we got to finish our church age job before that gets to a fullness. That's why we got to do our job, but he ain't forgot them. And if you have a theology that says he's just coming back and deal with us, can I say it the way I feel it? And say to hell with them, then your theology is wrong. He's not going, he's not going to let the whole plan wind up and not come back and deal with his people after the flesh on a massive scale. Now that, now if you are a parent, that makes sense to you. Oh my goodness. I would hate to be doing all of this ministry and then the people I adopted in to my family and adopted into ministry think it's okay to burn my natural daughter in an oven. I would be thinking, what in the what is wrong with you? Okay, but if you have a replacement theology, it makes perfect sense to you. And people preach it and teach it all the time. All right. So Paul here makes a prophetic projection. He says, listen, they're falling away. Got all of y'all brought in and saved. He said, when they come back in. If I was calling a shot, I say there's going to be a new power un unleashed on a planet that the world has never seen. Do you see he was making a prophetic projection? What he was saying is. If you think this was good, you ain't seen nothing yet. OK, but that's a pro that's prophetic. That's God telling us, listen, I'm not done with my people. Be nice to them. If they never get it, if they stay blind, you know, if you there are some people, you know, um, Sid Roth is a guy that's really anointed to minister to that remnant of grace. Not everybody is. And if that ain't your ointment, don't you know, I'm not telling you that you should be out there trying to do it because you can offend people. 
you know, when it ain't their season. And then you can make it harder for the person who is called to it. Just be nice to people. All right. Had a daughter as a heathen and I'm not here to be nice to her. Keep praying. <laughs> okay. Keep believing with me. Got it? Okay, but be nice. Don't just be mean. I am preaching really good today. Okay. All right, let's get down to verse 25 through 29. And it says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. A mystery means God has to reveal it to you. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. What did Jesus say when 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 the um, in his parable of the kingdom, when the Jewish people rejected him in the parable, he said, go out into the highways and hedges, compel them to come so that my house may be full. Okay, so there is a certain number that God is believing for to be in in the church age. And they're going, that blindness won't be lifted until that number is hit. But once that number is hit, then he, he's like, listen, I done took care of y'all church people. I'm going back and dealing with my family. I don't know if I like that. Didn't get saved right now. Because in this season, in this dispensation, those who are near, that's the, that's the Jews or the nation of Israel. Those who are far off, that's the Gentiles, have all been made one in Christ. This is your time to get in the front. The last shall be first now. But when he comes for them, he's coming for them. And he has saved the best for last. Now look at verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved. There's going to come a time. <laughs> when I was a kid, we used to play jacks. Anybody know about jacks? Yeah, see y'all kids, y'all millennials, y'all know. Y'all got y'all, y'all got everything y'all do is on a phone. Y'all, all y'all games is on a phone. We used to play jacks and you throw all of the jacks out there. You bounce the ball and you try to grab as many jacks in one time as you can before you catch the ball again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus is the master jack player and he's coming for the whole nation of, of that people. All Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer. Oh, man, I didn't see that. We've been talking about destined for deliverance. He has a destiny for deliverance for the whole national people. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved 
for the sake of their daddies who did the work that I told them to do. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Look at verse 29. People quote this, but they not they take this text out of context for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And they think he's talking about the gift of preacher, the gift of apostle and prophet. He's talking about their 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 calling and gift to be as a nation, the gift to the planet. And so even if they are are blind prophets or disobedient like Jonah was. They still are a gift and God is still grading you on how you treat them. I am preaching really good today. OK. The, the fullness of the Gentiles will come in and then God will close the church age and then he will go back and deal with Israel in earnest to produce national salvation. That's what scripture teaches. And you can't accept your salvation based on Romans 10 and ignore what Jesus or Paul said to us by the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 11. So if 10, if, if you don't believe what I'm saying about 9 and 11, don't, then you should throw 10 away too. Oh, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in his heart, God raised you from the dead. But the heart man believes unto righteousness, mouth confesses and made salvation. If you're going to pluck out that scripture, then you need to make sure you believe the, the bookends about his children, too. That's all I'm saying. All right. So, Pastor David, why did you do the, all of this setup? I did all of this setup because. After the church age is done, what we're going to see in Romans, excuse me, in Revelation chapter seven is we're going to see a specific group of. Of Israeli or Israelite or Hebrew or Jewish evangelists that will be called. And anointed by God to evangelize the whole nation. All right, let's look at Revelation 1. I'm going to read verse, first verses 1 through 8, give you some statements, and then we'll read all the way down to the rest of the chapter. And it says, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea or the trees till I have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed 144,000 
of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. Okay, now let's just talk for a minute. I'm, a, I'm about to make a prophetic statement. Sometimes I give you key statements. Now I'm going to give you a prophetic one, but I need to give you a preface before I make my own prophetic statement based on prophetic scriptures. And that is this. There is preaching that I do with utmost confidence. I don't do it because I believe I'm right and somebody else is wrong, but because I'm in an area that God has finished his work in and all I have to do is preach it, help people to believe it and help them to receive it. For example, we read in Revelation chapter one that Jesus has made us kings and priests. That's already done. Now. Once I understand what it means to be a king and priest, I just have to believe it and receive it. I preach that stuff with confidence because it's something he's already done. OK. Um, but prophetic scriptures have to deal with what God is going to do. I'm always less certain on this one. And I always listen. This this series is making me very nervous as your pastor because I don't want to get it wrong. OK. But I have to deal with the reality that when it comes to prophecy, 1 Corinthians 13 says we know in part and we prophesy in part, but we prophesy the part we know. Right. I also know that because he told me that it would produce a blessing if we read it and hear it so that we can do the piece that we're supposed to do. Somebody's got to open a book and read it and somebody's got to preach it so you can hear it. And right now, <laughs> John Osteen, Dad Osteen, not Joel. John you, was was Mark was Doc Barkley's pastor. And he said he said he said uh, Dad Osteen called him one day. He said he said, Mark. He said, um. I got up this morning to shave and I looked in the mirror and I said to myself, John, somebody need to pastor Lakewood Church today. And then I answered back, it might as well be me. And he hung up the phone. I say, somebody's got to preach on this. I'm the pastor. It might as well be me. OK, so I got to give the shot that guy gave me. Now, if I get more light, I'm <laughs> I, I reserve the right to come back and say, man, I saw this one way and then I got some more insight. But how does it work? God never gives you all the light up front. You always got to walk in the light you have to get more light. The engineer in me is highly unnerved by this if I would tell you the truth because I like to know it all up front before I get started but the just shall live by faith all right 
So, um, so you begin to get a prophetic insight from scripture that you can't prove definitively because it's just the sense that you have. Right. All you can say is that you sense the spirit laying out these future events in a certain way. Now, there are people who are comfortable with this because they are more prophetic people. I'm more of a teacher. I like to figure it out and then see all the different nuances and write all the lists and tie it all together. And the neck bone is connected to the arm bone and this bone is connected to that. I like to connect all the dots. And now I got to walk by faith because the Lord done told me to teach it because one of one of my deaconess said, I would want to know more about this. And God said, I approved that message. I didn't like it that he told her to tell me that and told me to do it because she said it. Yeah, I'm blaming you. My whole revelation in this area of back to the future is that you can look back and see forward. Okay, so now I said all of that to preface a prophetic statement about these 144,000 evangelists. Put up my prophetic statement. And it is, this is my prophetic sense. Just like Elijah, Elisha saw Elijah carried away in the angelic chariots of Israel and got a double portion of the mantle to continue ministry. So these Israeli evangelists will see the catching away of the church, will see the Lord Jesus descend and cry out, my father, my father, talking about Jesus, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and they're going to see us caught away. The mantle going to fall from us on them. They're going to have a double portion to do their ministry. Bam. Now, whether or not you see it that way, do you follow the back to the future thing? I'm telling you, I feel that I feel that very strongly. Now, I can't go blind by line and prove it that that's the way exactly it's going to happen. I'm just telling you, that's my prophetic unction. But just like you, you know how you get in a certain zone and then God starts to tell you stuff that's not on the paper. OK, that's what I'm telling you that happened when I was preparing for this message today. Okay. Now, look at Malachi 4 and 5. Malachi 4 and 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great, number one, and dreadful, number two, day of the Lord. All right? My statement to you is, is that the great day of the Lord has already come. The, gate, the day that produces salvation has come. John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah before the great day of the Lord. All right? We're coming up on the terrible day of the Lord. The day when they will say, hide us from the wrath of the lamb and from him that sits on the throne because the day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? That's the terrible day of the Lord. That one hadn't happened yet. And what I'm telling you is that we need to rise up in the spirit and power of Elijah to call people to repentance so that they can go up with us like Elijah went up. 
Do you see how this is driving us to action today? Elijah was the one who called people to repentance. And he had the power to face down the false prophets and tell them that you're wrong and call people out. I'm not going out picking fights, but when the Lord tell me, like I told you something Sunday was hogwash, I'm calling it out. And if you want to come for me, come on, let's let's <laughs> let's go to Mount Carmel and see whose God is God. All right. That's our job. OK, now we're going to do our job. We're going to be caught up. We're going to be the wise virgins in Jesus name. I'm asking God, I'm I'm believing for 100 percent. Everybody's going up on the first load. That's Pastor David's belief. And I'm trying to preach and teach and get all of us ready, including me. All right. But everybody got to make their own decision. All right. But I believe they will will be caught up. These they will see it like Elisha saw Elijah. And they will call Jesus my father. And then they'll go back and evangelize. Listen, listen, listen. And there, there are scriptures in Zechariah that talk about this. They will look upon him whom they pierced and weep over him. Like you would weep over your son. Okay, there's all kinds of, I'm, I'm telling you, like God has, a, he already got a plan. He's already called his shot. He's coming back for his people. All right. Now let's look at verse nine through 17, and then we'll give you your list for today. Are you getting something out of this? All right. Verse nine. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and, and fell on their faces before the throne and worship God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now, listen, 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 y'all, before I go further, I would love, I'm talking to, to my worship team, I would love for us to develop prophetic songs using the phraseology and the words that's in Revelation. Hey, Jeffrey LaValle said, hallelujah, salvation and glory from Revelation 19. And that thing hasn't stopped touching the world today. Even in Kanye's so-called church, them dudes sung that song. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if they were singing to Jesus or Jesus, but they sung the song. I'm just saying, they sung the song now. I don't know if I would call it church, but they sung the song. All I'm saying is, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a prophetic call as the pastor saying, seek God for songs to come out of that. Amen? All right. Um... Verse 13, then one of the elders answered, saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come 
out of the great tribulation. Got it? This is not the same company at the beginning. That company is already in heaven. This is another company. And washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. Don't they don't sit down on a throne. The church age is the folks that get to sit. They get to stand up in front of them. There's benefits from when you get in. OK, now they there a bad day in heaven. <laughs> Can we talk about it? A bad day in heaven is better than a good day in hell. You got it? OK, but they don't get the same benefits of the people. You never see them having a crown. You never see them having a seat They They don't get the same benefits. You want those benefits. You need to get while the getting's good right now. Right. They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them, but didn't say he would give them a throne. They shall neither hunger anymore, which means they were hungry at some point in time. Nor thirst anymore. That means they were thirsty at some point in time. Tribulation got hard on them. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, which means they had sunstrokes and they was getting hot and bothered. During the tribulation time before they were caught up out of it. Look at verse 17. For the lamb who was in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountain of waters. Now, listen, we that are in the church age have already we got a, we got a fountain coming up out of us. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. They got to be led to it. You're supposed to be getting shepherded and led to it right now. That's my job today. Right? And God will wipe away every tear of regret. Because they could have had a better gig if they had only listened when Pastor David was preaching. But he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Does it make sense? I mean, that's you got it. Okay. So let's look at my eight keys to revelation chapter seven. It says number one, after the catching away of the church, God commissions 144,000 Israeli evangelists during the tribulation period. Number two, their primary focus is on national Israel, but many Jews, many Gentiles will be ministered to through this period as well. Old Testament prophets have seen this prophetically. I could have picked a scripture from Isaiah where the mountain of the Lord will be exalted and all the nations will flow to it. Some people have said that that's the church and they develop Seven mountain theology. Nothing wrong with it. I believe in that, by the way. But I'm just saying, don't say it replaced what God's going to do with these people during this period. Does that make sense? Because we believe that God says things and has repetitive patterns so that you can go back to the future. OK, now let's look at um, a scripture, one scripture 
That is an example where that talks about this. Look at it at Zechariah 8, 23. And it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, 10 men from every language of the nation shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. That's not today. That ain't happening today. But there's coming a day where out of every country, people who didn't listen to us is going to listen to them. All right. Number three, because of the seal of God on them, these evangelists will be untouchable by the Antichrist in tribulation. They not getting burned. God has sealed them. They got a mark on them. Remember, they tried to stone Jesus. They tried to throw him off a cliff. And because he was sealed, he walked right in the middle of them while they was trying to didn't say the devil ain't going to try, but they sealed. They can't you can't get to him. The other part of this scripture, and I, I gave you the, the scripture reference in a future um, in a future chapter. We'll see it. It says further, they will be virgins to be fully dedicated to this ministry. That means they're not going to have family relationship and have to come home after church to see if their wife okay. They're going to be fully dedicated to the ministry like Jesus was. Revelation 14 and 4 will tell you that, and we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that chapter. Number four, the tribal listings here are different from different than the Old Testament, leaving out Dan, and then the half-tribe of Ephraim, which is Joseph's oldest son. The half-tribe of Manasseh, Joseph's, uh, Joseph's oldest son, is listed. In replacement, we see Joseph and Levi. Now, uh, let me just talk about this one. Prophetic scholars see this as a recognition of how far the tribe of Dan and, and Ephraim went into idolatry and lost their bloodline. Although enough state of Ephraim that Joseph name is included and not lost. Remember that God brought Jesus through 40 and two generations, even saving the Christ child when Satan was trying to snuff him out and saving. Sometimes it came down to one descendant from David. If they would have caught that one baby and killed him, go back and read, you know, first and second Chronicles and first and second Kings. It was one baby left and they got that one baby who was the last living bloodline from David so that Christ would be born. All right. So, Pastor, why are you telling me this? That what I'm telling you is God knows better than ancestry DNA where the bloodlines are. <laughs> I am preaching really good, okay? He's the one who authored Numbers, Kings, and Chronicles. God knows the genealogies. So he knows where the seed are, and he's going to find him 12,000 from each tribe to, to, to serve as his evangelistic army in Jesus' name because God calls his shot in advance. All right, let's look at um, number five. There is a crowd of believers who are caught away during the middle of this seven year tribulation period. They include Christ during the church age and backslidden half saved lukewarm Christians. 
They didn't come to church tonight. They Netflix and chilling. Okay. Now, this is another sticking. This is another big sticking point for me versus people who are um, just talk about the last day. If you say something like that, their statement is, well, you're giving people an option to believe that if they're not ready when Jesus comes, that they can get in another time. You're giving them a license to sin. My statement is people sin without a license every day. They, they say, well, you just giving people like if you don't catch this one, you catch another. It just it's all confused. It's all it's all confused. I mean, how many how many catching the ways do you think there is? Well, we already saw that Enoch and Elijah and Jesus had one. So if there's already been at least three, why are you why are you tripping when I tell you there's some more when we've already established that three have already happened? OK, all right, I'm just saying. Number six, this group does not have thrones, seats of authority or crowns of overcoming. They fall into the camp of what Jesus described in Matthew 25 as the foolish virgins. Now, even the foolish had to do something after the door was closed to get in this. As I like to say, even a broke clock is right twice a day. Okay. Number seven. Jesus is merciful to their blemishes. And they get robes that get washed in the blood of the lamb. Oh, the mercy of God. Now, I'm trying to get everybody to come now, including me, because Paul said, after I have preached to other, if I don't get my body right, I can be cast away after telling all y'all and y'all catching the train. So I got to be careful. Because preaching it is not the same thing as living it. Okay, so I got to make sure when he say fast in that chocolate chip cookie with the turtle, the turtle cookie, the turtle one, isn't that the one, Nedra? Turtle brownie cookie, Lord. And the Holy Ghost be saying stop, and I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I gotta, eat. I'm gonna repent in a second, Jesus. Get that body under subjection. And that's not just y'all. I'm not pointing. I'm not pointing. I'm saying we. Now, some people say when you preach this, people feel like because, um, you know, you give them another shot that they can just wait and wait. Listen, then you didn't listen to what I'm saying about how bad the tribulation would be if you believe that. We just know how merciful God is. You go on to read Revelation 11, I mean, excuse me, Romans chapter 11 says, oh, the depths of the mercy of God. Oh, how searchable his riches and his ways past finding out. God is trying to get, he ain't trying to get people in hell. He's trying to get people in heaven. 
Finally, number eight. They have gone through much suffering, but by the sovereign choice of God, these are not martyred like the group in Revelation 6. Now, why did this group get caught away and others martyred? Well, that's just like Peter saying, Jesus, you telling me I got to be a martyr. What about John? That's not your business. God decides that. Even in the church age, you know, sometimes I didn't told you, I'll be looking at God like, what's up? I mean, you know, I'm trying to get my church to grow Jesus. You know, why does it seem like, you know, I was, I'm in my, in my, in my, um, in my, uh, in my ordination process and the coach in this series stays in this, in a city, the church he started was in one of the 10 richest cities in the nation. Sometimes I'll be looking at Jesus like, you ain't even fair. <laughs> okay, all right, now you can say what you want to. I just got to, I only got one Jesus to talk to. I got to talk to him about what it takes for me to do my job. But I have to get over that and say, it's your business to tell me what you want me to do. It's your business to tell him what you called him to do. See, so what did he tell Peter? He said, what is my assignment to John got nothing to do with you? You just follow me and do what I'm telling you to do. God is the big baller shot caller. If you wanted to call your shot, then now is the time to get saved, not later. Because <laughs> the best goods come to those that get in first. And if you're not ready, when the church age ends, you're going to have to get in where you can fit in. So next week, before we go into Revelation chapter 8, we'll spend time understanding the timeline of the tribulation period established in Scripture. I talked to you about this seven-year period, but I haven't laid it out to you from Scripture. Next week, we'll we'll spend some time doing that before we continue on with our study. Is this blessing you? Are you getting? What we know for certain. Is that according to the words of the Apostle John. Written to him under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit based on his vision with Jesus Christ is that we would be blessed if we read this, if we hear it preached, and if we find the actionable pieces that we can apply to our lives right now. We know that because he said blessed would we be if we did it. 